Hey guys and welcome back to the FFS podcast. I'm your host Pratty once again and welcome to season 2 episode number 2. And today we're going to be talking to three Arsenal fans about a topic or about yeah about a topic that was you know huge I think during the transfer period so July and August at least or august mainly when arsenal decided to let go of 55 of their staff uh, because of various reasons and we'll cover those reasons in due course uh, before we get into greater detail i'll ask my guests to introduce themselves they've all been on the podcast before so if you've heard any of our previous arsenal topics or even some of our unorthodox topics before in season 1 you've probably heard of them as well So let's start off with Arjun. Arjun, would you like to tell us a bit about yourself yet again? Hey guys, uh, I think I've been on this podcast a few times, so hope you guys already know who I am. But for those who don't, uh, I'm an Arsenal fan. Uh, I've been an Arsenal fan for about eleven years right now, and uh, and yeah, pretty optimistic with how the season's going. Awesome. And next, we move on to Srivasa. Srivasa, would you like to tell us a bit about? yourself and where you're from and how you came to be supporting Arsenal. Okay, uh hi uh hi everyone my name is Shivastu. Uh so I've been supporting uh Arsenal all my life. This is the first club I started supporting when I started watching football and I've been a fan ever since. It was a lot easier before, I have to be honest. Now it's getting a bit hard, but hopefully things look better in the future for us. Awesome. Yeah, I think there's definitely I think the sun is rising on the horizon at Arsenal. I think there's some change or the Yeah, other. I think some... even all all fans on all I don't know if I can say all but most fans do agree that uh, it is looking a little bit better right now with Arteta in charge. He's definitely lifted the mood. Everyone's happy with the way uh, how he's made the team organized and all. So, yeah, hoping things turn for better soon awesome and lastly lakshya lakshya can you give us a small introduction of yourself yeah hi guys uh, so i'm lakshya and i've been supporting arsenal since like since the invincible season like that was the first season i ever watched and uh, ever since then i've just been a huge arsenal fan and um, yeah things look pretty positive right now hopefully just continues this way until and unless we sort of win something major So yeah. Okay, I I don't know about you but I kind of count FA Cup as being one of the major trophies in England at least. So to that extent you've kind of done well. Yeah, but uh you know got to get some success in Europe and we need that. So just trying to be a little optimistic about it and uh hopefully we do something well in the coming few seasons. Yeah, definitely a change of mood since I think we last spoke a few months ago before the season had closed and yeah i think arteta has shown signs of promise especially with the victories against liverpool and man city and of course the fa cup but before that with the emery tenure you know the way it was going and all that we were definitely talking way more negative than we were positive so it's nice to uh have a bit of positivity here especially also from a podcast perspective the first episode that we did was on barcelona so You, you all know that that wouldn't have been a very positive episode to have spoken on, but uh, yeah, nonetheless, I mean it, it is positive. But obviously, the topic that we're discussing is slightly 
on the negative side because people have lost their jobs in these uncertain times. So, uh, just to lay out the scenario, I think in August uh, we all were sh- not shocked, but we were surprised to hear that Arsenal had let go of 55 of their staff, uh, and they said that they were all redundant or that they were performing similar jobs to people already they, already there and they needed to free up some finances. That was a statement put out by the club. And eventually, some of these uh, journalists looked, dug in deeper and they found that that included a couple of these recruitment figures and one in particular, which is Francis Kagigao. And I may be butchering the pronunciation, but you guys can correct me on that later. So let me start off by asking you, what did you think or what did you make of that decision to sack 55 people, given the entire scenario of COVID and the fact that even to furlough people at this point of time was considered a bad move uh, in terms of PR, especially we saw that with Liverpool and Tottenham. So Srivastav, tell me, when you read about it, did you understand Arsenal's situation or were you like, you know, why would you go and shoot yourself in the foot? No, so in when I... First, read of the news, uh, I wasn't too surprised. And uh, later on, after a few days, the news came in and after a few days when I read about it, it seemed like it was always planned. It wasn't uh, just because of COVID. Uh, I think even one of, you know, I think his name is Basit, even he pointed out that uh, Arsenal actually have a lot more... uh, uh, staff compared to the other big clubs like uh, you know maybe Liverpool or Man City or Chelsea, and uh, this was always in the plan to reduce uh, fifty or maybe even more. I mean it's not confirmed yet, but uh, there are some rumors that we will uh, reduce even more people. And uh, also, if you notice, uh, uh, Raúl Sanelli has been gone and uh, Arteta was promoted. So, uh, it seems like the news was like somewhat true because a lot of people were doing the same jobs together and I think they thought to make the, you know, the whole football club a bit more streamlined where, you know, each uh, job is more concentrated and, you know, so that they can take more responsibility. Uh, uh, yeah, all right. Uh, I'll get all of your thoughts and then probably comment on that. So, Arjun, uh, what did you think of that decision? Um, okay, so I think to understand this decision, there are a sequence of events that led to it. So, maybe if I do uh, lay out those events, it would make it a bit more clear as to what happened. Is that okay? Yeah, sure. Um, Go on. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So, this actually starts with. Um, with Arsene Wenger and the power that he had at the club. So when he was at the club, he was in charge of everything. Then uh, Ivan Gazidis came in and he wanted to change that because he saw what happened at Man United and how they could not have a smooth transition in power. So he implemented a continental model and uh, of recruitment and running the club, which means in different uh, continents, you have different people who are in charge of recruitment and all of that, and they report to uh, the board. Now, shortly after implementing this model and after getting stability, uh, he left the club to AC Milan. Then uh, Raul Sanlehi, who was you know not really the main guy at Barcelona, became you know thrusted into the limelight. 
so so then you had a completely new structure with people who did not really were not really behind you know uh, implementing that structure so so in the past i don't know 6 7 years there was there were people who a lot of people who came in from a boardroom level and just to throw in a few names so sven nissen tat ivan gaziris rad sanlehi ken fryer searches keswick all of these people left arsenal in the past 5 years and to understand this and to the reason behind this is purely because of the change in business model in the club and the way the club operates um a key reason why you found why we saw those 55 uh redundancies in august and also rahul sanlehi's departure was the appointment of josh cronkey's long term friend tim lewis who is an arsenal fan he's a lawyer who's based in london and he came into the board purely to streamline the process and also to add more people into the into the boardroom uh well into the boardroom because as i said ken fryer who was a long term he served arsenal for like 70 years or something he left uh this year sir chips keswick as well he resigned so there was a vacuum power vacuum in the board so tim lewis came in to streamline the process and then he wanted to bring back the business model um of how arsenal were operating before but not completely that he also wanted to uh ensure that there isn't too much reliance on one person so right now there is the recruitment and the players the football side of things is headed by uh, by edu and arteta purely those two and uh venay venkatesham is heading the the finance and all of that too so i think right now arsenal have a right balance but um i mean i know you haven't asked about the transfer market yet but um the implications of this will also be seen in the transfer market that's that's what i think are the sequence of events that led to those uh 55 people being uh, redundant awesome all right and lakshya what were your thoughts when you read about that particular or so read out what, uh, what arjun said right now it was basically that they didn't want to be you know they didn't want to be dependent on one person like it was before at arsenal and at united uh where at united it was just sir alex uh, who was who was going ahead with uh, and making all the decisions and at arsenal it was just sir, uh i mean um, arsen wenger both of them both of them were like huge figures at the club and at their own respective clubs and everything but once they left they there was not a good transition period both both the clubs have suffered enough already and uh, and yeah so it is better that everything isn't just uh, just managed by one person every like it is delegated properly it's pure, it, it's basic business model it's it's a basic business model sort of uh, theoretically it is just purely upon to uh, upon business and um, and yeah and about the whole about the whole recruitment and everything about the 55 redundancies uh, which uh, arsenal have claimed to have um i think even even in a few of uh, edu's interviews he says that he you know he wants to uh, he wants people to take up more responsibility he wants people he wants he wants a lower staff he wants a Uh, a smaller staff and a much closer uh, closer staff 
who he can work with who he can trust so that so that it you know sort of speeds up the process and and does not uh, and you know it, it's just better that way because there's not much of waste of time it's just more efficient to to have like lesser people doing the job that 55 or 100 people have been doing for the past few years now uh, yeah. sorry i just want to add to that like mm-hmm. as lakshya said um, you know about man united not having uh, you know right he the right transition of power like even now 8 7 8 years after ferguson left who's they still have been able to yeah like no but even then like okay you know there's uh, what's his name edward ward and there's the manager but then what is the exact business model like what is every person doing in their board i'm not rubbishing man united i'm just saying that at arsenal the one good thing i can see is as a fan you know who is responsible yeah, for what everybody so i think everyone is held problem. accountable exactly everyone's held accountable and also now you know if if let's say recruitment doesn't go well questions will be asked to edu questions will be asked to arteta you know but um right they'll be responsible exactly for but at man united who's the person who's doing that so i think it's very good that arsenal have taken that extra initiative to also communicate clearly to the fans about you know who's uh, in charge of what all right fair enough so when it comes to i don't i don't want to delve too much into matches you know but we are missing out one name and that is david gill who at that point of time was a very very key key member of that recruitment team and one who whose job edward ward eventually took over and has not been able to uh, accomplish or even match uh into over the past 7 years so that that's one person who i thought needed recognition but i do see a point i think there was a need to ensure that you learn from what uh, mistakes the rivals make or rival clubs make and i think the intention was certainly there to make sure or ensure that it that arsenal was operating at an efficient level and that you know they weren't obviously because you're paying salaries and you don't want people doing the similar same type of job in a world like this especially post covid or not post covid during covid rather uh you didn't want to waste money unnecessary unnecessary money on salaries and all of that however the other side of looking at it is in a time like these people need money like i i can understand if uh the richest of the richest 1% uh, can forgo a, for a month or so and they'll still be okay but we're talking about these hard paying uh, hard working employees who are paid uh, a fairly decent wage i don't know exactly the wage so i'm just assuming here but they would need that to survive given that the economy had eventually shut down everyone had gone into lockdown and all that so the the question that i want to ask is the move might have been necessary but was it at a wrong time uh shivasar so uh, that's what i uh, want uh, try to tell you earlier was that uh, given a majority of those shifter people who worked in the scouting department and the recruitment department and the announcement was made uh, like you know during the transfer transfer season just uh, showed that you know those people were actually 
in in a way it did show that they were actually redundant and uh, arsenal didn't actually need them what you're trying to say is that okay uh, during covid you shouldn't fire people you know you should keep them in the job but then the thing is do you really know when covid is going to go away <laughs> what if it takes another year or maybe two years and so there is going to keep hold on to the jobs and when will the change actually be there you never know how long football managers are going to last you never know how long edu is going to be in charge so while they are in charge let you know why not facilitate a model where they can work to their best because the decision is already made to hire these two and to lead and for for these two you know to uh, you know take charge of the football side of things so why not you know give them the best uh, uh, you know best place or best working conditions for them to implement their own ideas awesome all right uh, arjun do you, would you agree with what shivasaf had to say i mean i guess to an extent but also i've been reading quite a few articles online and even listening to other podcasts and there is a you know feeling that i guess these redundancies had nothing to do with covid and even ralph and lehi's departure had nothing to do with covid uh honestly the truth is arsenal haven't been in the champions league for 3 years and it's a club that are running on a europa league budget but there are champions league wage bill you know um so cost cutting measures have to be put in place now now this is what i feel and i feel this was necessary or as as hurtful as it is as it is to say uh but also if you notice the transfer window uh arsenal cannot fire 55 people and then spend 200 million pounds you know uh i feel that sends the wrong message that sends the wrong message to the squad as well because you know even the players were asked to take a pay cut so i think um even the transfer window arsenal were playing a waiting game um and uh they've made it seem that uh you know it's it's they genuinely need to sell before they can buy um uh, and the and the sales that have happened so far are kind of testament to how they're operating as well um but but you never know what happens you know if if arsenal end up pulling off a couple of big name players in the next two days uh, uh it it kind of means that arsenal had some money in like left in the bank but um uh, yeah if arsenal don't buy anyone it means that they're in, they're genuinely in big trouble because i i do believe that arteta and edu are trying you know their level best to get things done and if they can't then it is for a reason you know um just to add to that i do believe uh, on a transfer front arsenal are trying to sign both awar and partey because uh if not why would they just not pay one person's release clause and get the deal done for one of them you know so so yeah that's where i think i stand on the transfer front and i think that's where you know where i agree as well on the redundancies all right okay and lakshya i think arjun obviously mentioned the fact that arsenal are a team that is playing europa league football but paying champions league wages to its players and one of those players that is has benefited i wouldn't say benefited but has has seemingly benefited from the the sacking of 55 uh staff employees has been Aubameyang who's who had a contract extension and given that contract extension had a pay bump uh and so 
obviously there was a lot of talk even players were unhappy at one point given that they were guaranteed that they were that no staff would be sacked but uh, given that they had even taken pay cuts so where is the ethics on that see it is not about ethics at this point it's just about uh, about identifying your assets in the club and you know sort of ensuring that you're able to keep them and as everyone at arsenal there would there probably wouldn't be a single single arsenal fan or a, an arsenal board member who would feel that you know abameyang is not an asset for the club abameyang is a serious serious asset at the club and yeah obviously like they might have said something about you know um, about the pay cuts and everything that players had to take just so that like other people wouldn't get fired but this wasn't about the fact that you know you know if you if you look at it there were many many of those the people who who got laid off during this period were were the people who were um, was scouts like mainly scouts because they just wanted to change the entire business model from like a scouting perspective to an agent based perspective and that this is one thing that edu spoke uh, spoke about and edu was like you need to come to me like i am the target man if you want if you want any of my players or if i want any of your players to any from any other club i will be the one who would be negotiating i'm the contact person and you got to come to me you don't have to you don't have to talk to other scouts you don't have to do anything else you have to come to me about it and this is one one area where you know where it, it it's been a massive change that he doesn't have to deal with so many scouts or anything and yeah and it's up to him him and arteta to decide like which players are there which players do they need in which part of the field do they need players and that is that is one of the main things that people need to understand because more than more than football it like the footballing world has just become a business right now and everybody needs to look at the business aspect too so yeah no i i get it because we all say or we're all as fans okay we love it when our club does something for the community right so whether it be food banks whether it be sending out free tickets to the poor whether it be sending free jerseys to the poor and free tickets to you know lifelong supporters old people or dis- people with disabilities and all of that we we love when clubs do that but essentially the club is a, we we kind of that i wouldn't say that shields us from the fact of or we are blind to it but we should be aware that they are runners businesses at the end of the day they will not care too much like if you are it's, deemed it is about caring too much it is just that you know if a business needs to function you got to have to look at it like from the future's perspective you can't just look at it from the past perspective obviously this at this point like covid is completely unprecedented these lockdowns and everything it's just completely un- unprecedented people have been fa- the world has been hit with a financial crisis yet again after 2008 and it is a horrible one it is it is probably the worst one the world has seen till now and every every person every person not just big clubs all other businesses also are trying to maintain themselves they, they're trying to sustain themselves just for the future and that's why they do not want to take any any massive risks 
until and unless they know that you know what okay yeah this is a sure thing and considering it right now looking at looking at each and every club right now their main source of income being their their revenues from uh from ticket sales and all they're not coming in and that is one of the main reasons why people why, why these clubs are forced to do something like this because obviously there is no way on earth they're going to get rid of of players who are the faces of their business yeah i know but yeah what i'm trying to say is i'm not saying that they don't totally don't care or anything but they will do what is best for the for the club and for the future of that club right so even for these staff employees you know they would have thought oh i love the club or the club is so dear to me uh you know they won't sack me but they will if it is deemed necessary for the benefit or for the to help the future of the club they have to do it i they are forced to do it but and they will have to do it so it, it is at the end of the day like you said run as a business and we have to face that kind of fact it's not going to it's not run as a charity home or you know like a uh, yeah charity home Let, let's keep it at that but one of the key yeah arjun you want to say something yeah sorry uh, just two points actually uh, one about abamyang that you mentioned and one about or the players pay cut now yeah. um i think obamyang is is what uh paid let's say reportedly 250000 a week yeah uh, now now over 3 4 years that's 50 million all right it, for like only on his wages i don't think uh in the current market you will get a player of his caliber or a proven goal scorer for uh transfer fee plus wage is worth 50 million so i think that's a very good investment on arsenal's part and i think uh if arsenal did not renew obamayang's contract then arsenal would be in big uh, would be in a much worse a uh, worse of financial situation than they are right now let's put it that way um that's the first point the second point is about uh the players not accepting or not uh not accepting the redundancies because they agree to a wage cut and to that even arteta said in one of his press conferences that just because they agreed to a wage cut it doesn't mean that they have a say in how the club operates financially from every point after that so i think that's fair too but uh, but to be I mean, they were, to also they were... mention that it's good that the players sorry it's good that the players did accept the wage cut and you know look after the whole uh, community uh, by doing so no but i wasn't given a guarantee that nobody would get sacked because that was what the complaint was i wouldn't have gone i would have understood the complaint had it been like he uh, i mean so had they complained but not even after taking pay cuts they would have said oh we took pay cuts why are you sacking him but the fact that they got a guarantee that's where the question yeah goes. but what but what if the redundancies had nothing to do with covid and that was just yeah. something that they told to appease the media so i i yeah. again don't see how I mean I can see why there is a confusion but uh, I don't think there should be from a clear perspective no, precisely like everyone everyone at this point is in two minds and uh, they just like see this is what this was I think this was one of the major confusions as to why Ozil Ozil said that you know I'm not going to take a pay cut because that is not a clear statement that the club is giving out at this point but genuinely to what it looks like it just feels that the redundancies had nothing to do with 
with covid it was just a change of the business plan uh, it was a change of the business model and if if like it clearly looks like that right now at this point so uh, and and yeah people are getting confused between the fact that you know players have been taking pay cuts and yet people are uh, people are being fired no that isn't the case the case is that there has been a complete change of a business model maybe it is because the the change of the business model is probably because the the people at the club want to want to improve the club want to improve the decision making of of the club so that they you know they sort of they sort of improve their efficiency and at a, at a, at a lower price at a reasonable price that's it so it's so really, uh, yeah go on go on i just want to say one small thing i mean uh, this was already said by i think lakshya the redundancies were mainly in the recruiting department and the scouting department it has nothing to do with uh, the people you know who are you know employed by the club you know which which directly uh, you know work on the match day program you know those uh, food you know people related you know in the food and you know the ticketing counters those people still get you know paid even though there are no crowds so i think uh, this is where the main confusion is so when the other clubs and it's not just one or two clubs i think there were a few clubs they wanted to follow people and that was like all of those staffs it was not uh, there's a no scouting department or the recruit, recruitment department it was people who were you know whose uh, wages were you know being uh, paid through the income they got from matches but with arsenal the redundancies were mainly in the recruiting department so it was i think i think it is really a more business model change or you know no fun- operating change it's not necessarily you know taking the salaries away and i don't i genuinely don't think reducing 50 people especially apart from those like top four or five people who are like the major scouts i don't think their salaries also were like a huge uh, uh, you know financial boost because i saw uh, one one uh, article saying that uh, this whole thing would at the max i mean if you remove uh, rahul sandehi and uh, remove the transfers guy the whole thing wouldn't even reach 1 million per year you know the wages cuz the, um, there were a lot of scouts where they weren't even earning that much so i don't think it was necessarily you know a huge you know they did it because arsenal had no money or you know were taking advantage of the current situation i think it was purely a decision to improve the way things are run or right, no but when it comes to you saying it's not a big value for arsenal but that's not the point it's about so that means the salaries are sm- are low so people who have been sacked are at a low wage per year or whatever per annum so they'd be they'd suffer more given that they're out of a job but leave that say that this is nothing to do with covid so, so from what i understand that this is completely a narrative because everything that i saw during those few weeks was that everyone was saying okay they've sacked 55 p- 55 people and then you have the news a week later of obamang's contract extension so this clearly feels like it's been media driven this narrative has been media driven and obviously there's been some sort of miscommunication between the what the club has has thought or what the cl- club wanted to achieve and what someone told the media or what the media is writing right 
Mm, just to just to reiterate, like I don't want to play devil's advocate, but let's let's just ask you a rhetorical question, right? Like let's say let's say that even those fifty five redundancies were because of COVID. Do you think Arsenal would sack their head of football operations in the middle of a transfer window because of COVID? No, I did not uh, think that's no. Happening. I don't. I don't. I wouldn't think that would be. I, I mean, it, it would be one of the weirdest decisions. Yeah. No. And when he was, he was, by the way, in, uh, like uh, negotiating with uh, with Gabriel, with Obama Young, all those people. So I don't think that's the case. And I think Arsenal also gave that as a rhetoric uh, to you know the media that all of this is because of COVID. So I think none of this has to do with COVID. It's just let's call it a happy reason for Arsenal to uh, to blame on, or a good reason for Arsenal to put. To shift blame, but I think the truth is is something completely different. Um, the only I mean, I, thing I'm honestly worried about is what did Raul Sanlehi actually do wrong? Because to get sacked, he must have done something really messed up. And I guess to avoid Arsenal getting sanctioned and shit, he might have gotten sacked. I hope it isn't something that, as extreme as that, but it is worrying to see that such drastic measures were taken literally a month after Tim Lewis was appointed to the board. Like, I, I get it. I think uh, it, 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 is, it was weird. And I feel like, I think Sven Mislintat himself said that the board at Arsenal were very, very muddled or there was no clear plan. So it definitely fits into the narrative that you guys are talking about, which is a complete change in the business model to make the operation much more efficient. And also, I think it, it does fall in line with what some of the more successful clubs have done, uh, which is appoint like a one person in charge of transfers, and then the manager kind of deals I with think, him. Uh, I think Sven also told that there were too many people working in the scouting hmm. department. I think yeah. he didn't mention that also because he wanted a lot more control. Uh, he wanted to take decisions in in the transfers also, and not you know not just be primarily a scout basically he wanted more power but then he realized that there were too many people there and he couldn't get some of the things which he wanted to do for Arsenal he couldn't get that done so I think it this problem was there even before like maybe for like more than a year now and this is when Arsenal just acted on it Possibly. yeah I agree like I think it's too many people with contrasting ideas no clear plan to work with um and I feel when Rahul was in charge and taking decisions on the football side of things, it was heavily reliant on on his contacts with agents. And um, and Unai Emery did not really help out because uh, his his transfer suggestions from his perspective was, I think, um, only Dennis Suarez. Everything else oh, was... I think Rona Emery really wanted Zaha. I think Arsenal wanted Zaha for a while even before. But yes, I agree with you where Una Emery, uh, where Una Emery said that he preferred Zaha over Pepe. Uh, yeah. But I think Una Emery is the type of guy... Uh, if you see actually when he first came in, he actually did well. The first few months. It was only like, you know, towards the end of the first season and the second season where it totally... They totally lost track. He's actually a pretty decent coach. 
and uh, but he has a lot of uh, like even if you see his history most of his success came when he was in spain i think he is uh, very limited in his communication skills i think he works well only in his native language or something like that because he didn't do well in uh, russia he didn't do that well in uh, paris and he didn't do you know that well in arsenal either but then with sevilla and valencia he did have a lot of success i'm i'm sorry i know we are we're deviating from the topic a little bit but i just have to mention that uh, you know unai emery is an excellent like is a really good coach uh, yeah this is i agree with you i agree with you on the communications front because i feel one major difference between him and arteta right now is the way they present the news you know like right now i think every arsenal fan feels that despite us winning for the past few months this is not where the team needs to be and this mm-hmm. is a transition phase and playing three at the back is not what arteta wants to do and he wants to eventually get the players that will allow him to play in the formation that he wants to but when unai emery in the first few months played with that formation and got wins he always considered that as okay the team is improving we are doing well so i think he did not communicate clearly and completely truthfully to the people to the fans because when things started going wrong the first the first scapegoat was unai emery and because of his lack of communication i think in one of his interviews he also said that how many ways can i say that we fucked up you know like he literally said that uh, after he left arsenal like he he didn't know how to communicate but one thing i really appreciate of the guy is that from his first press conference to his last he always spoke in english he could have easily easily gotten a translator shifted to spanish and you know been much more confident no he I did feel- the same thing in psd also he spoke a lot in french was yeah okay french. but just like how exactly but the thing is, is his even the french media made a lot of fun made a lot of made a lot of fun of him but um but the thing is man uh, pochettino now marco bielsa all these people came they were with translators for more than a year man i feel if unai emery had done that he might have had a much bigger impact with arsenal but even it's not i'm not saying that's the only reason but i think uh, even the club wanted him and encouraged him to speak in english to communicate with the fans but honestly going, all right all right going okay, guys guys the back is actually okay. very i i love uh, okay <laughs> <laughs> yeah i i i'm going to stop there because we're going to do a full unai emery show otherwise okay so let me ask lakshay mentioned this and i wanted to bring this up also because this is the other key aspect of that entire decision that was made over the two week period which was the change from a scouting system to a more agent based system and i just want to know what does that mean what does an agent based system mean? does you mean that you're just going to deal with agents all the time and not going to scout people how does that work does anyone know <laughs> okay okay so the thing is uh for for more of a scout based system it was usually that that you know first you you sort of look for um something that you need in the uh, on the pitch like let's say for example if you need a full back or a center back or a keeper and then what the sporting director does is that he's got to talk about like you know this is this is what we need so he goes and he talks to other scouts in each and every position or each and every country he sp- he speaks to them and they say that okay yeah, i've got a prospect over here but then but then it 
it becomes a very elongated process when you know okay uh, we found someone over here then the club needs to talk to people over there and we need to we need to wrap up with their agents we need to talk to their agents and we need to talk to their clubs we need to do all of these sort of things and it just takes way more time so that is what what a scouting scouting sort of a thing basically is meanwhile the agent system just makes it a lot easier because over here what we do is that let's say for example in in the current situation edu is there and mikel is there mikel arteta all both of them they figure out what they need in which part of the field let's say for example right now we do need two midfielders so uh edu and arteta both of them they they identified themselves that you know our and parte thomas parte both of them are the main target these are the players we need these are the type of calibers we need and straight away they started speaking they started contacting their agents and as soon as that happened uh they started getting in contact with the clubs and they're still in contact with the clubs like obviously right now it is a transition period and they probably need to get used to the fact that okay you know this is a big change and that is what this basically is it's just two different sort of concepts over here with about where we talk about the scouting thing it is a much more elongated process where a lot of middlemen are involved whereas the agent base is just like very few people involved i'd like to add something on this actually uh so to be honest most big clubs are actually agent based i mean especially for their first team you know if you want to recruit players with their first team it's mostly agent based if you want uh, like a good example of a scouting based recruitment i think you should look at uh, brentford i saw a few videos on them on how they scout players for their first team it's a very extensive and uh, very uh, detail oriented process where they uh, search with some of their scouts and to you know to find players and you know they they actually they do that pretty well because they end up selling the players for far more than what they bought for and uh, usually some of the smaller clubs or you know clubs in other leagues do do you know do only this they don't you know necessarily because they don't need a lot of agents they don't like brentford wouldn't need to know uh, who the agent of messi is or you know who the agent of uh, thomas partey is and then they're never going to sign so for i i genuinely feel all, most of the big clubs do business like this only for their first team i don't think they sit and you know uh, you know go to meet the scout or you know like obviously do all that first for the youth teams and all yeah they do scout and all but yeah but for for first team basis for first team business yeah it is more it is more of this only it is more of agent based uh, based recruitment I I completely agree with both and I feel like few of what you're saying does hold true because if you're a smaller team you do have time to develop players whereas at an Arsenal you are looking for relatively yeah. faster success so it does not make sense yeah. that you hold, wait two to three transfer windows to truly scout a 
player and then yeah, you do scout a player exactly. i think i think you, even at liverpool and all we do have players uh, we do have scouts who do scout really young talent who over 2 to 3 seasons you can then buy uh, uh, so you don't buy it for that particular season but you scout a young talent so that in the future you do buy it but for a for the immediate transfer window i de- i definitely think yeah it it makes sense to go for a much more efficient much more faster approach because you know that there are tens of t- tens and thousands of other clubs watching your that particular player so for for example you say awar okay awar is being watched by real madrid barcelona psg liverpool manchester city uh, and arsenal right so you can imagine and juventus also Juventus also so you can imagine I don't know why do they want more midfielders but you can imagine the the you know it's it's basically a race to who to his signature and so uh, yeah I completely get that but and I think Arden we also had this conversation when we talk Red Bull right like how Salzburg scout their players and you know they get the best talented people but it's obviously it works in a league like that where competition of the stakes aren't that high but for a club like uh, arsenal who whose fan base is so adamant and i don't want to get into that fan base argument now do don't don't but <laughs> uh, i i i think it is important but the other question is agents we've all lamented about how powerful they are becoming in this modern game so is there a you've already mentioned and i i i want to repeat myself that arsenal are a europa playing team with champions league wages so in k and we all know how the agents love to operate get the best for their players so does that in any way harm arsenal's wage bill more than anything else you'll get the good you'll get a good you'll get the good players but at the end of the day they're going to cost you quite a bit um so okay i can i want to answer your question but before this i actually disagree with a lot of what both Lakshay and she also said because I don't think at any club that's how recruitment works because recruitment cannot be purely scouting or for that matter purely uh, agent based because in my understanding every signing is made after scouting the player and once the player is scouted and identified then you know the the negotiation phase then the agents come in so in in my opinion how when arsenal keep saying that it was uh scout stat based or uh agent based that's that's very that's just i think uh, something fabricated in the media because i just don't believe that uh arsenal or any club for that matter would See, would realize one individual one second arsenal i'm not i'm not done i'm sorry i'm sorry just one more point i need to make uh that arsenal a few couple of years ago or a year ago uh, bought over a company called stat yeah. dna and uh, they use stat dna to identify where they have to sign players so although willian might seem like an agent based transfer if you actually go and look at his stats uh, compared to the other arsenal players you will see that he was signed because he possesses certain strengths that arsenal lack so arsenal wanted to identify and fill in balance fill in those gaps and he was signed because of that and yes they used agents to sign him but i think they used you know arsenal are known to you know have one of the largest uh, statistic collection uh, in the world because of stat dna but uh, 
But yes, I think right now, because of Edu and stuff, it's a stat-based system. So they hire, they, they identify players based on their stats. And then yes, they use agents or pay the release clause of the players to sign players. So I don't think it's it's one or the other because I think that's a very stupid way to operate a football club, any football club. If you if you go purely on one of those metrics, I think it's a combination of both. So to answer your question, yes, an agent or heavily rely over reliance on one particular agent will harm a particular football club because. Um, because obviously it, the agent will be working on his best interest. So I think that was also the problem with Raul Sanlehi, where uh, when it came to choosing between two or three players, he used to pick players that he knew through an agent. So I think that was the problem, not agent-based recruitment as such. Do you understand what I mean? Yeah, but that I think the point kind of that I have some up. points against this. Actually, I have a lot of points against this, but the thing is, I know that we we bought that data analytics company, you know, to do all these task studies. But then, if you see over the past, uh, not two, I think even many for the past few years, Arsenal do look at stats and all. But then our recruitment ha- hasn't been good, if you notice, for the past few years. So it's not, it's not like when I said that it, I didn't mean that. Okay, so this uh, person knows this agent, and we'll just buy this person. That's not what I meant. Obviously, not just Arsenal, almost every club will look at stats, you know, you know how many, like, whatever stats are relevant to that player, they will look at it. But then what is the efficiency? How do you get the players that you need? You can't just, you know, just stop it at that level. You do, you do need more people who are in the business, who are in contact with the agents to get deals done. You know, you don't need, I don't need to show any other example other than Wolverhampton. How, how, even though, a lot of people might not be happy with the way they've been doing business, but it has brought them tremendous success. And it's mainly through their transfer business, how they bought players. And it was all it was all through that one person who is known as the most powerful agent in the world. And it's not just Wolverhampton. A lot of big clubs do a lot of deals through agents. It's no matter how how hard you try, you can't avoid it anymore. Okay, and Lakshya, you wanted to say something on that. Yeah, it's it's precisely what I was uh, I was gonna say. Uh, um, Shivastav just just took my point all over. Like, took my point <laughs> away. It was, it was basically that. It was basically that. That you know, it is not up. To, it isn't about the fact that we're buying players just because we know their agents. No, it isn't the case. Yeah, yeah, we identify which players we need because through that uh, through the through the uh, the stats and everything, we need to realize. We need to find out. We need to we need to analyze each and every each and every aspect of our football team, and we need to figure out which players we need. And based on that, we we sort of identify players which will fit best in that situation. And only only based on that, we go out and and we start looking for for other qualities. So, non-statistical qualities if you if you understand like leadership like like their whole mindset about how they feel like if they would want to come back come to the club all of these things and and just as soon as we find the perfect fit that is when we start we start negotiating with the with the agents that is the meaning of of an agent-based recruitment system 
okay. you can have all the stats you know i can also tell you how many goals and assists a certain player can do but i can't do the deal right yeah, yeah okay so, so then why do you both have a problem with the agent based approach i don't think anyone had a problem with agent based approach nobody had a problem with i think the consensus was that it was faster than the scouting network that and obviously yeah supplemented by the data analytics that i think everyone has to have data analytics i think liverpool are a clear example of how data analytics work right uh, with the whole money ball that happened after fsg potters and even now michael edwards and the team of you know we've got some of the phd guys who who used to work in nasa who joined us and kind of now help us find the right players obviously there is some bit of scouting that goes on i don't know whether we are an agent based because i can't remember too many you know one particular agent that we like you like she was to mention bulls right they are have are somewhat like tied to the to the bone or tied at birth with Jorge Mendes and so uh yeah so it it is we i don't know live with them wolves <laughs> does he i, I no, don't no, know no, I'm, i'm serious doesn't he have oh, a stake in wolves possible i have no clue the guy i thought he does his, he's got his fingers in so yeah, many pies also honestly i i agree with with pradi on on uh, uh, liverpool and how they sell their players because the fact that they able <laughs> they sold so much of deadwood man it's frustrating that we see arsenal it's like not, this is begging for <laughs> yeah you see arsenal begging 10 million for kolasinac and stuff and liverpool just sold brewster for 23 and i'm like wow how 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 is this possible i mean yeah i think that deal was crazy i i couldn't believe that someone would pay and we kind of hit the right person in sheffield so desperate this season for a good striker so i'm telling you if brewster fails no nobody but two good strikers i don't understand what was the need to go out for another striker mm-hmm. <laughs> we are not scoring goals dude they haven't scored a single goal this season and and obviously you need some time to like get on with the get on with the season it this doesn't happen so instantly right ah, like well, even the one over till now that doesn't mean that you, you know you let him go or something no, no, no that doesn't work i i get what lakshya saying i think for some strikers or some people it does take time given the small preseason that we had but uh but getting uh, we're getting again off topic uh the other thing i wanted to mention was i i did mention that there is a danger to rely, over reliance on certain agents and one of the agents that was in the news a lot was kia jurakchan who was a representative of coutinho who is heavily linked to arsenal and also a very close friend to edu uh i just want to know your thoughts as to that is do you see that as a fruitful kind of uh tie up or are you as skeptical as i am that you know you let him in a little too close and then you could just end up and obviously that all depends on how well arsenal do on the pitch so say that if they continue to be in europa for more years that could be even more harmful but if you do manage to get into the champions league more often less of a problem uh, i've left that out open so, for anyone <laughs> yeah. so thing with that kia guys it is actually it's there in the news that you know they are, they have there has been even arrest warrants against him and you know some other parts in the world he is uh, known to be a little bit of a fraud only but uh, 
But the thing is, um, there are people even within Arsenal, like including the board members and all, that are not happy. Especially because uh, I think um, so. The Williams deal was the first deal in like so many years where the contract signing happened at uh, the agent's house. It usually happens in the training complex or the stadium or whatever. But Williams deal was like the first deal that happened in that Kia guy's house, and a lot of people were like very unhappy about it. So I think it will not like you know go. We won't be doing more deals. In this manner, because a lot of people have were already upset with the way things have gone by, so I think I, we just have to wait and see on how things go regarding that guy, that Kia guy. Okay, uh, yeah, Kia guy. Not to be confused by the Kia guy who runs the auto shop everywhere else, but yeah, uh, just, it's it's also a bit it's also a bit. Uh, like worrying because i think mid june he came out in the press and he said that uh you will see a lot of uh systemic boardroom changes at arsenal and he is not he is not an arsenal employee and for him to come out to the media and make such a statement it was worrying uh but but yeah i think uh, i think even uh arsenal have gone great lengths to to distance himself from one particular agent and i think that's the right move you can also look at players like sergi regulon who signed for tottenham who are his players uh so you know i i think i think arsenal could have signed sergi regulon for example if if kolasnach had gone and if arsenal really wanted to strengthen the left back area uh but it's look it's always good to have ties with some agents if you find that you want that player as we spoke about when we were talking about recruitment but um but yeah i think his influence was worrying especially because i think arsen signed cedric and him and maybe one or two other players who were also his players i'm not sure uh but but i think now there is a sense of you know balance and stability uh but on to be very honest with you guys uh a lot of what has happened this summer is going to be decided in the next day or two so depending on how the next couple of days go uh it's going to say a lot about how successful the new changes have been uh because people irrespective of if this will work long term will look at the short term benefits of it and i don't yeah, but, blame them because arsenal right now are in dire need of two midfielders and if arsenal but, sign two midfielders it's a successful window So but yeah. do you think like the effects of this decision will have any short term implication because it does feel like a really long term thing that it will take time to really show its effect maybe a year or two down the line so yes but right now you cannot it cannot be detrimental to a short term impact like it it if it has no change no problem but it cannot be detrimental to a short term impact because one thing that worries me right now is that um the arsenal board and the people who call the shots are really young so the board is basically josh cronke tim lewis uh viran venkatesham who are all what 40ish in their 40s and then there's edu who's also 40 and then there's arteta who's 35 40 so so yeah it, everyone's a bit inexperienced which is what worries me because there's no one person who has those years of experience or reputation to to go but uh but to be honest which is why i feel it could be detrimental but uh right now because arteta 
starting off, you know, the, the club have to back him. The board has to back him. And the owners have to back him too. So you, there cannot be any room for failure in the transfer window, especially this summer and in January and, and next summer. Because if they don't, Arteta is gone. And All right. Okay. Don't mean. I think we are waiting for you know some two three people to leave because that homegrown quota we are like there are like more people or something. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I need to have like, one or two more, but then yeah. they they were they were linked with moves out. I mean, don't get me wrong. I understand what you're saying, but Arsenal had the whole summer to do it. So Arsenal were linked with Torreira is going to leave today. I think there were departures yeah, yeah, linked picture. with uh, Socrates, Kolasinac, uh, and I'm Mustafi as well. So I, I think if those three leave, there can be no excuse for not getting both Aouar and Partey. That's just my opinion. Uh, didn't, uh, didn't uh, what's his name, Aouar say that Friday evening was some deadline? But I know it's him. You never really know. <laughs> it's, I, don't, I don't trust the guy, man. I, I am waiting till Monday. <laughs> Money. He said Lacazette will not leave and then some two weeks later we signed him. Dude, he does that for everything. Dude, Lacazette, Furlan, Mendy, uh, even, even another... Uh, and even Memphis Dubai, I think, right now. It's all the same. Okay, and uh, the last question that I have for you guys, okay, and the, uh, just a small one, which I kind of just thought off the cuff, but do you think Arteta's um, Arteta being employed at the club as a manager has any has had any influence on in this decision to the, to change the board, the style, or the way it's being run? Or do you think this was already set in stone before he came? Uh, because I think, would he have had any influence or seen what worked at Man City and brought those ideas over? I don't know when this, when the period was when they decided to make the change and all that. So you guys would know more. Uh, yes, 100%. Uh, because uh, I think the changes were brought in this summer. So as I said, Tim Lewis was hired uh, the 1st of June, July, 1st of June or 1st of July. And that's when they actively thought about making a uh, changes with how they operate so I think that's when it started and I think Arteta has everything to do with it because I think finally um, Arsenal have a manager and the board trusts the manager Uh, I think under Emery the board did not trust him Uh, and that was evident because they did not go out and sign Zaha you know plus Emery's recommendation to the board the one player he insisted on was Denis Suarez and you know how that turned out um so I think right now Arsenal do um, do uh, trust. Uh, Ar- I mean, have this new structure because they trust Arteta so much. Um, also, just on the agent base thing, uh, just want to point out that before joining Arsenal, Emery switched agents, and in his first press conference, he thanked his agent, and I think that was because of Raul Sanlehi. So. I think if Raul Sanlehi was not part of Arsenal, Arteta would be Wenger's successor, not Unai Emery. And these changes would have been a year quicker and not not under transition under Emery for you know a year and a half. So that's just my opinion. Interesting. Okay. Um, and Srivastav, Lakshay, what do you guys think? Because the thing is, it happened in Liverpool as well, right? We had that whole transfer committee under Brendan Rodgers, which was quite limited because Rodgers wanted someone didn't happen and then we bought Penteke or somebody else. We bought Balotelli as well. Uh, but then Klopp comes in with that attitude. Suarez with Lambert, no? Yeah. 
Thank you. Lambert was a legend. But you no, know, but the fact is that Klopp came in and said, you know, if I'm going to be the manager, I need this and this and this. I want the structure to be uh-huh. like this. And so he put out his plans quite efficiently and clearly. So the the uh, the higher up believed him. So is that the kind of thing we're seeing right now with Arteta? No, uh, apparently that same thing happened when Wenger left and when we were negotiating with Arteta. So he wanted a few things with regards to transfers and everything. Uh, but uh, Emery was like, he'll just do whatever, you know, the board wanted. It, it was something that was, you know, written in the news. So I think now the board are favoring Arteta because when they did go ahead with what they wanted with Emery, it didn't work out. So I think they believe Arteta can do, you know, like, you know, things he like things needed to improve the team. So I think the board are, you know, like like they didn't make him uh, manager and give him more responsibilities. So I think, uh, yeah, it is moving towards like how you're saying, you know, like the stainers are made to suit him. Yeah, and okay. not just him, not just him, the entire club. It was like it was like okay, you can't. It, it's not about just again. Going back to when we started, it isn't just about football at the club anymore or at any club anymore. It is about the business structure. And if you're talking about just football, it wasn't it wasn't bad. It wasn't bad with it wasn't horrible with Unai Emery when he came and we went on a 22 game winning streak. We went to the Europa League final, obviously, whatever happened that night was was horrible. But we reached till there because of Emery. But it just it's just the other factors which were which were creating a lot of negativity around the club that isn't supposed to be happening, and that is what is changing right now. That change was the most eminent thing that the club has ever wanted, and it is happening. And that is one reason why there is so much positivity around with the fans and. And in the boardroom too. Everybody's trusting, everybody's backing the manager and let's just hope it reaches, it, it just yields some fruit. No, definitely. I think everyone agrees or everyone is of the opinion that whatever happens on the pitch is also a result of how good or how or what or what is going on at the board level or at the top level, right? So if the top is happy and the board is happy and everything is operating efficiently, that is obviously that more often than not translates to on the pitch. You can obviously have certain direct circumstances. So definitely you could see that, you know, the board backing Arteta, Arteta getting his players, the players performing on the pitch. It's all, I don't know if it's a cycle, but it's definitely all linked to one another. So definitely it'll be interesting to see. Uh, But yeah, I, I guess, guys, that's all the time we have for this particular episode. Uh, so thanks, Lakshay, Arjun, Srivastava for being a part of this podcast once again and sharing your thoughts on Arsenal and this entire transfer, recruitment, employee uh, decision that, that made the headlines in the past month or so. So thanks, guys. And we would hope to host you again soon, uh, either part of this or part of our new series, which is the MWF on Monday, uh, on Wednesdays. So thanks, guys. Thank you. You're welcome. Awesome. Thanks. Great being here. Yep. All right. So uh, thank you all for tuning in and listening to this entire hour of podcast football content. I hope you guys enjoyed yourselves. I know 
uh there was a little more positivity to this as compared to the previous one but i hope you guys all enjoyed it i hope you've taken away something from all of that uh and i hope these guys on the podcast have given a little more insight to what you might have otherwise expected so uh if you like more of our stuff then please uh rate us on rate us follow us subscribe to our podcast channel on seven different podcast platforms like apple podcast google podcast uh spotify yeah you name it we're probably there even amazon music now we're there so you can catch us there as well and also follow us on twitter and instagram where i try and keep as up to date as possible so until next sunday uh which is yeah which is when the next episode will be released of the ffs podcast I'm your host Pradi once again. You guys stay safe and see you.